All right, brothers and sisters, it's time to take out our Bibles, if you have them, and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. That's where we're going to be. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you're not familiar with the way a Bible's laid out, you've got your Bible right here. The, the latter third, just about, is what we call the New Testament. It starts with the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And if you can find those books, right after them comes Acts, Romans, and 1 Corinthians. And 1 Corinthians is a decent-sized book, so it shouldn't be too hard to find. 1 Corinthians, and we're in chapter 2. Those are the big numbers, and the little numbers in your Bibles are the verse numbers, if you're looking at one and perhaps not as familiar with it. Chapter 2, here in just a moment, I'll start at the beginning of that chapter. Now, the world, or we might say at least our country right now, is in pretty bad shape in a lot of ways. Almost everyone agrees There's a problem. It seems every week there is a new tragedy or a news story about something that's horribly wrong. People are losing their lives. Others are losing their livelihood. Emotions are running high. Division is increasing, it seems, by the day. Violence is spreading. Anger fills so many of our news programs and social media, everyone agrees there is a problem. But not everyone agrees on what that problem is. Is the problem capitalism? Or is it the the rise of socialism and Marxism? Is the problem white people? Or is the problem the Black Lives Matter movement? Is the problem law enforcement? Or is the problem unlawful citizens? Is the problem Republicans? Or is it Democrats? Is the problem apathy and silence? Or is it outrage and cancel culture? Is the problem technology and advancement? Or is it people who are refusing to move with the times? There are many, many supposed answers out there. And many who are claiming that their answer is the one that will solve this mess. But what is the real problem under all the problems? Under all the supposed problems? And what is the answer? And where should our focus be? As Christians and as a church, You might have heard a number of strong opinions on what the church should be talking about, what the church should be focusing on, and what the church should not be focusing on. Where should our focus be? Let's read our text. Paul's words and God's words from 1 Corinthians 2, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read down to verse 5. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. Paul says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. 
Now, I want to spend most of our time this morning on verse 2. Verse 2 in that text is probably the, the central verse, the theme verse, so to speak, in what we're talking about today. Paul says, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now, the first thing we've got to ask is, what does that mean? What does it mean practically for Paul to know nothing among the Corinthians except Christ and Him crucified? Does it mean that's, that's really the only thing he knew? Well, of course, that, that can't be what it means, right? Think about who Paul was. Paul was trained by the best of the best of the Pharisees. In Paul's day, he would have been so smart and so intellectual, he could have had the equivalent of multiple PhDs. Even Paul's opponents would have granted that he was a genius. Okay, this is not all that Paul knows. And perhaps you might say, well, maybe it's, it's all that he teaches. That's all he will teach is Christ and him crucified. We can't mean that either. Think about the book of 1 Corinthians alone. In this letter, this is a letter that Paul sent to this church. In this letter by itself, Paul's going to talk about topics like the resurrection, spiritual gifts, sexuality, division in the church, church discipline, the Holy Spirit, and more. And so even in this letter, that's, that's not the only thing he's talking about. So what does this mean? What can he mean when he says, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified? He's, he's using hyperbole. He's using a, a figure of speech. And what he means is, Christ and him crucified is the center of everything we preach and everything we do. Christ and him crucified is the center of everything. You might say, the cross is the crux of the matter when it comes to Christianity. And if, if you hear it, we get our word crux from the word crucifixion. The cross is the crux of the matter when it comes to Christianity. It's the center of everything. We return to it again and again and again. And everything else flows out of that. We are not primarily here for self-help, even though the gospel will radically help you in a hundred ways. We are not primarily here for social activism, even though the gospel does call us to work for justice for the poor and the oppressed. And we are not primarily here for morality lessons, even though the gospel will transform your morality, the way you act and the way you treat people. No, we are primarily here to save sinners and to point one another to the cross. The problem, under all the problems, is sin. And it's not just sin out there, it's sin right here. That's the problem. And the only answer is Christ. We're here to deal with the deepest problem. And if you deal with the deepest problem, then the other problems can start to be fixed as well. We're here for what matters eternally. It's been said that Christians care about suffering, all suffering, but especially eternal suffering. Think about that in terms of what's going on in our country, the suffering of certain people, groups. We care about all suffering. Indeed, we must care about suffering. We care about oppression. We care about justice. But we care especially about eternal Suffering. This is the problem underneath all the other problems. The cross is the center and everything else flows out of that. So do we care about people having good lives? Well, of course we do. 
But a good life without the cross is like someone who has cancer and we give them Tylenol to fix it. Right? You have cancer and you need a deep surgery. And the doctor says, here's some Tylenol. Just, just dull the pain. It doesn't fix the real problem. Do we care about injustice and the oppression of the weak and the powerless? Absolutely. We must care about those things. If you, if you read through the, the Bible, you will see that you cannot follow Christ and you cannot be a godly man or woman and not care about those things. Let's stand up for those people groups that cannot stand up for themselves. Let's work to help in whatever ways we can for those who are oppressed and experiencing injustice. But without the cross, without the forgiveness of God and the true equality that is based on Jesus and His death on the cross, without that, the solutions to those things just cause more problems. Do we care about morality? Absolutely. You cannot follow Christ and live in sin and rebellion. But the Pharisees did their best to follow all the rules of the Old Testament, and they missed Jesus. You can be a rule keeper and go to hell. The cross has to be central. The cross is the center of everything. We're going to keep our focus on Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And that will transform our personal lives and our social activism and our morality and so much more. And by focusing on the cross, we keep the focus on the real problem. The deepest problem. And that's sin. The problem is not just out there. The problem is in here. And the only answer is the cross. The only way to deal with sin is the cross. The only way to transform hearts that don't long for sin, that don't react in sin, is by being born again through Jesus' death at the cross. The cross is everything. The cross is the center of everything we preach and everything we do. So Paul says, I decided to know nothing among you except Christ and Him crucified. Now notice the, the wording that he uses, though. He deliberately says it a certain way. Look at verse 2 one more time. He says, I decided to know nothing among you except Christ and Him crucified. I decided. This was a conscious, deliberate decision that Paul made to minister this way. A conscious, deliberate decision. He says, I must be about Christ and the cross as the center of everything. He makes a conscious and deliberate decision. Now, that leads us to ask why. Why did Paul decide this? Why did he decide to center everything on the cross, to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified? Let me offer you two reasons this morning that come from the context of 1 Corinthians. You can probably think of other reasons, but in the context I see two of them mainly. Number one, Paul decides to know nothing except Christ and Him crucified because everything else will come to nothing. In chapter 1, in weeks past, we've been going through this book of 1 Corinthians week by week. In chapter 1, Paul talks about the wisdom of the world and how the wisdom of the world will come to nothing in the end. In chapter 2, verse 6, look at verse 6 with me. We'll actually hit this next week, but just real quick right now, in verse 6, we see that the wisdom of this age and the rulers of this age, they are doomed to pass away. 
And so Paul focuses everything on the Christ and Him crucified because everything else will come to nothing. You see, the, the book of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians was written to the church at Corinth. Right? Corinth's a city of ancient Greece. You might know a little bit about ancient Greece, perhaps in, in school or perhaps in modern movies or something like that. Ancient Greece is a very, very well-known ancient culture, very powerful, very influential. Well, the people of ancient Greece, where Corinth was, they were very interested in many of the things that we're interested in today. They were extraordinarily interested in politics, and it was hotly debated back then. This is nothing new. Ancient Greece, they were interested in politics. They were extremely interested in philosophy. Who has the best idea of the way to live, the way that we should live? Just as today, there are many philosophies out there. You might not use the word philosophy, but there are so many philosophies being debated. What is true? What is not, is, what is not true? What is the best way for a people group to live? They were very interested in art and architecture back in ancient Greece. And they were extraordinarily interested also in sports, believe it or not, just as we are. But Paul says, all of those things that you might be clamoring to hear about, I'm not speaking into those things. I'm not going to focus on those things. I'm not going to tickle your ears with things that you want to hear. We're here for Christ and Him crucified. We're here for what matters for all eternity. And the same is true today here at Columbia Christian Church. This pulpit, and when I say this pulpit, I don't mean this, this block of wood right here. I mean the, the, the preaching of Columbia Christian Church. This pulpit will not look like a news show or social media. The events of the day will not dictate what we preach or what we fix our eyes on. Because we know that what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. We come here for things that are eternal, things that will last, things that are more important than what is right in front of our faces screaming for our attention. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Coming to church every week with brothers and sisters in Christ, focusing with one another together around God's Word, around communion, singing with one another the timeless truths of God's Word, praying with one another, doing this every week is a reminder that everything that is going on in the world that seems so very important, that seems so huge, everything that's going on is temporary. And there are certain things that are not temporary. There are certain things that will never pass away. But those are not the things that are jumping up, screaming for your attention every day. It's right here in God's Word. And so, the real problem, underneath all the other problems, the real problem is sin. It's an eternal problem. It's not just a temporary problem. It's an eternal problem. And the only answer is Christ and Him crucified. And so Paul says, I decide to minister this way. I decide to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified because everything else will pass away. That's reason number one. But remember, we're asking why. Reason number two, why does he decide to minister this way and to know nothing else? Reason number two comes from verse five. Look at verse five with me in your text. He says, so that, there's the, the, the reasoning word or phrase, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, 
but in the power of God. Your faith has to rest on God and not men. Your faith has to rest on God and not human beings other than Jesus. If you follow a man or a woman, perhaps a a preacher or a popular author or a speaker, pretty soon you will be disappointed. If your faith rests on them, pretty soon they will disappoint you. That person has their own sins and imperfections. It doesn't matter who it is. You will come to realize they weren't who you thought they were. How many times in our lives have we seen a prominent celebrity and a scandal comes out in the news and we realize they weren't who we thought they were? Right? There, there is no single person in the entire world, aside from Jesus Christ, that can bear the weight of other people's hopes and dreams. No single person can do this. Because none of us are perfect. None of us have the shoulders for it. Only Jesus can bear the weight of other people's hopes and dreams and aspirations and trust. Only Christ. And so if if your trust is in someone else, it will be disappointed. One way or the other, it will be at some point disappointed. Perhaps that person will not be revealed through a scandal and their sins come out in public, but other things can happen. They, they might leave. If you've got a preacher that your faith rests upon, what, what if they leave? What if they die? What if you move away? Right? Pretty soon you will be disappointed in this. If your faith rests on a preacher or an author or a popular speaker, it will be easily shaken. And so I have to make a conscious, deliberate decision to let God, not men, build this church. I have to make a deliberate decision to minister in this way like Paul does so that no one's faith rests on me or anybody in our church, but it all rests on God and on Christ. Look at verse 17 in chapter 1 with me. Chapter 1, verse 17. This is a verse, verse 17, that causes or should cause us preachers to tremble. Look at what Paul says in verse 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. There is a way for a preacher to preach and empty the cross of its power. And we're not saying that we have any authority over the cross. But there is a way to preach, according to Paul, where you can empty the cross of its power. And that's a scary thought as a preacher. That's something that makes me tremble. May I never preach in such a way where we empty the cross of its power. Are we we setting up a man for everybody to see? A celebrity type preacher for everyone to follow and flock to? If we do, we empty the cross of its power. You see what Paul is saying there. And so I've got to make a conscious decision myself to let God and not men build this church. We don't come to church to hear a man speak. We come to hear from God. We don't come here to hear a man speak. We come to hear from the Lord. It doesn't matter who is preaching up here. If they preach Christ and Him crucified, we're going to walk away satisfied. We're going to walk away having been fed. And so I had to decide a long time ago how I was going to preach and to minister. 
Is it going to be based on my own wisdom and my own ingenuity and my own ideas? Or am I going to hold up Christ and Him crucified as the center of it all? Am I going to build a church or will I let God and His Word build it? Now Paul decided, I had to decide, and you have to decide as well. The decision's put to you this morning. Will you decide to know nothing except Christ and Him crucified? Or will you decide to live and minister and serve in your own power, in the flesh? We must make a deliberate decision like Paul here to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified, to make the cross the center of our lives. You've got to make a deliberate decision to make Jesus and the cross the center of your life. It's not a piece of the pie along with other pieces of the pie to make a nice, picturesque American dream life. That's not what the cross is about. God will not be had in that way. So many people treat Christ and the cross like that. It's a piece of the pie. I've got the cross and Jesus and God. I've got my family life. I've got my work life. I've got my hobbies. I've got my kids' activities. And it all comes together to make a nice American dream. Right? Just a nice piece of the pie. No, the cross has to be the center of everything. Instead of a piece of the pie, it's more like one of those web graphs that we did in, or web diagrams that we did in school, right? The cross is at the center, and everything else is coming out of that, right? The cross is at the center, and it informs and transforms all of those other aspects of our lives. And all of those other aspects of our lives are built around this, and we submit them to this. And so how does the cross inform and transform my family life? How does the cross affect how I work and change how I work? How does the cross inform and transform what we do with our kids and their activities? How does the cross inform my hobbies and what I do with my spare time? It's at the center of it all. It must be. Otherwise, you cannot follow Christ. He must be everything to you. He must be the greatest treasure in your heart. If you want to follow Him, Jesus says in Luke chapter 14, you must hate everything else. And He's, again, using hyperbole there. He's using a figure of speech, but he says, your devotion to me, compared to your devotion to everything else, your spouse, your family, your kids, your, your own life, it has to be such a, a, a chasm between those two things that you could actually use the word hate and it makes sense. Jesus, the cross, it has to be the center of everything and we must decide. We must make a decision like Paul did. Not only in our personal lives, but we must decide to make the cross the center of our church. We must decide to make the cross the center of our church. Do you want a church where success depends on our own ingenuity and our own ideas? You want a church where programs and events drive the church? Those things won't bring true success anyway. Will you commit to letting God's Word build this church? If someone becomes a Christian here and someone joins our church, are they being converted to a great church with great ministries and great programs? Or are they being converted to Christ? There's a world of difference. If someone 
gets converted to a great church with great ministry and great programs, well, pretty soon when some other place offers better services and more slick programs, they just go over there, right? But if someone is converted to Christ, and we help them see Christ, and we help them hold on to Christ, well, then if, if they have to move away from this place, they still have an anchor for their, the foundation of their faith. Or, heaven forbid, if, if this church goes away, their faith is not destroyed. Because they came to Christ. They came to Christ. Is the local church a part of that? Absolutely. It's an essential part of that. But we cannot act like we are trying to convert people to this place. We're trying to bring people to Christ. We're trying to deal with the real problem. What's the problem in the world today? The real problem is sin in the human heart. And all other problems flow out of that. The only way to deal with the real problems in the world, the only way to truly deal with them is to deal with sin. And you cannot deal with sin apart from the cross because it's only at the cross that your sins can be paid for. It's only at the cross that your sins can be judged. And it's only with Jesus taking the punishment of your sin that you can actually have forgiveness. Forgiveness without the cross is not really forgiveness at all. That would be God sweeping sins under the rug. That would be God turning an ignorant eye to the things that He said. If you do those things, you will face condemnation. No, at the cross, our sins actually get dealt with. At the cross, God actually punishes sin in His own Son, Jesus. At the cross, God poured out His wrath onto His own Son. And Jesus took the full measure of the wrath of God for our sins so that if we come to Him in faith, we could be transformed the gospel is not only just about forgiveness, it's about healing. It's about new birth. You come to Christ and you are made new. He gives you a new heart. Ezekiel says he gives you a heart of flesh, where before you had a heart of stone. Now you have a heart that feels what it is supposed to feel. A heart of flesh. A new heart. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. When we come to Christ... God takes care of our sin and He makes us new. The problem is sin. But the problem is not out there. It is, but it's not just out there. And for us, we cannot think of it as out there. No, the problem is in here. For those of you who have been Christians for a long time, it is not as though you come to Christ once to fix your problem. And then you're done. No, we have to come to Christ every day to fix our problem. Because after you come to Christ, you have forgiveness of your sins. You are made new. And yet, Scripture tells us our sinful nature is still tugging at us. Our flesh, our sinful nature is still pulling us in the opposite direction of the Spirit. So it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, we've got to come to Jesus every single day for more grace, for more help for more forgiveness, for more mercy. We've got to always go to the cross. And so if you're part of this church and you're, you're not a Christian, 
Let me tell you two things. Number one, you must be tired of hearing about the cross because that's all we talk about. And that's all we're ever going to talk about. Now, it doesn't mean that those other things, social activism, morality, it, it doesn't mean those other things are not going to be addressed. We will. We're just going to address them through the cross, right? You don't turn a blind eye to the world. We're not going to be Christians or who are so heavenly-minded we're no earthly good. We're not going to be like that. No, the, the cross affects and infects every little part of your life, right? But you're going to get tired of hearing about the cross if you're not a Christian here. Because we're going to talk about it all the time, every single week. But the second thing I'll say to you is, the cross is the only answer to your true problem. Will you come to Jesus and be made right with God? Will you come to Jesus for the only real healing that exists? Will you come to Jesus for the only satisfaction your heart will ever find? Here in just a moment, instead of standing up for our invitation song, we're going to have a time of reflection just in our, our places, in our seats. Dwayne's going to play some music on the piano softly, and we're going to spend some time in silent prayer. And I'm asking you during this time to respond to God in between you and Him, however you feel like He is convicting you to respond to what you just heard. We're going to spend some time in silent prayer responding to the Lord with whatever He has put on your heart. And after we spend some time doing that, I'll call us back, and then we'll have a time where we're going to give people an opportunity to respond publicly rather than privately. But first, we're going to have this time. Dwayne's going to go ahead and play, and we're going to spend some time responding to God in prayer on our own in our seats.